This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to the Principal Leadership Lab, a podcast experience created for you by two public school administrators. Without further ado, let's join Jeff and Adam in this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Principal Leadership Lab, winter edition, episode number six of second season. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. And you know what? And we're recording during our Christmas vacation. Yeah. No stress. Nobody's knocking on the door behind me. I mean, we, we got snow outside. The presents have been unwrapped. We've gained our five pounds. It's, it's a good part of the school year right now. It's a good part of the school year. And for the second time in a row, I am down with flu symptoms. Again, our whole house is quarantined. But hey, that's just that's just the era we live in right well, now. I'm feeling good we, today. Though, so. We texted about that yesterday. And it seems like yeah. too often we... We go 100 miles an hour all school year. We get to this first long break and our body says, oh, I'm going to relax. Yes. And then all of a sudden we get walloped by flus, colds, hopefully not COVID. You know, all of the all of the diseases yeah. trying to get us during the school year. But we're too fast. We're just yeah. keep moving. We're too fast. It happens every it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. I don't, yeah, man. I mean, uh, that's just how it is. And I think I'm on the, the tail end of it. If my voice sounds a little rough, that is why today. I know I look good, but for our podcast yeah. audience, they, yeah, they that's can't. why you have a radio face, and now you your radio voice is you know <laughs> fluttering too. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> Full of compliments as always. <laughs> well, our guest today uh, has a radio face and voice, and also a bald head like you. So I don't know what it is. Good half sign. Half, it's a good more sign. Than half our guests are bald, Adam, and I don't strong know leadership. Uh, is that what it stands for? Well, I think I so. To, yeah. I might have to shave my head. Otherwise, people won't think I'm a strong leader. Maybe that's it. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm super excited about our guest today, Adam. We've been trying to get him on. I know um, we've, been, we've gone back and forth for, for months, it seems, and we finally got him. He's a current principal in Delaware at Thomas Edison Charter School. It is none other than Dr. Salome Thomas L. Principal L, welcome to the Principal Leadership Lab. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm worried about whether I want to get involved with all this stuff you guys got going on. This <laughs> well, you just you just keep yourself over there. And you'll be fine. Yeah. You just keep yourself over there. You'll be just fine. Good to yes, see you, man. Good to see you. I'm so glad we were finally able to connect. You and I have been connected and probably Adam, too, for years on Twitter, for years yep. following each other and uh, watching all the great things that we're doing. And uh, it's just a real honor to have you in the house today. Yeah, it's a uh, listen. It's a pleasure to be to be in the house. I mean, in, in the era that we're in now, with um so much going on, just to be present, um, to be able to impact others, or just to be able to fellowship with you guys today, man, it, it's an honor. Because as you stated, the 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 world we live in now. I mean, we could have the flu one day. We could have something else. We could be down with a cold. We could have other folks. We could be quarantined. There's so many things preventing us from um from being close to or connected to others that is, you know, it's always a blessing um, and all to have the opportunity to be able to learn from others, but also to be able to reach a wider audience. And, mm -hmm. you know, the two of you guys probably know, you know, millions of Americans. So 
I'm really looking to. I'm not. I don't know if most of them probably like you or not, but at least you know them. Um, but I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be able to share with your audience. If it's just one thing that helps them go on and uh, and become better leaders or um, or able to serve others in a, in a much more empowering way, then we've done our job. Mm. Well, we work in a great profession, so I think taking one thing away—that's the—that's uh, the one caveat that I try to share with every teacher when they leave a building to go to a conference, go to a training. Don't mm. don't bring back forty things. Focus on bring back one thing, and then do that one thing well. Right, that's so true. Well, I know that we're going to learn a lot more than just one thing uh, here today in this recording, uh, Principal L. And so I—I I mean, I don't even know where to start. You know, there's there's been so much going on for you, and uh, just uh, let me hit upon a few things, and then and then we'll get going. I mean, you you have been a, a teacher and principal and educator since 1987. I won't tell you how old Adam was in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> but your kids, your kids have, I mean, your students have gone on to win world recognition, eight time national chess champions. You've been a regular contributor on the Dr. Oz show. Your, your book, one of your books, you have, I think you've authored and co-authored four. Um, five, five now. Is it five now? Yeah. Well, I Choose to Stay uh, was optioned for movie rights by Disney Films. I mean, it's just, just so much, man. I mean, just so much. And we are just, just privileged to have you here talking with us today. But for those of you, our listeners, who may not know Principal L, but I don't know how you, I don't know how that would be possible if you're in the education world. But for those who don't know you, Salome, just tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. I mean, how did it all get started? Well, I see you have your choose to stay sweatshirt on over there. So I do. I'm, I do. I'm <laughs> representing today. I choose to stay. Yes, sir, represent. Now, I I appreciate that because you know that um that truly sort of defined um uh, the trajectory of my career. So you know, I started off from raised in the inner city of Philadelphia, project kids, single mom, eight kids. My dad not there, but strong mother. Uh, male mentors, male teachers, many female teachers, but a few males, many of them coaches. I was a, you know, basketball player young. Um, my high school teachers told me, you know, forget about that basketball thing, you know, in college, man, you're not going to the NBA. You can't even jump over a credit card. So you're not going, <laughs> you know, they said, focus on getting the NBA instead of going to the NBA. And, um, and so, you know, I, I went away to college, man, was a communications major, started working in, in television and um, as a production assistant and went and talked to some high school kids about my job in TV. And, and I talked about how these teachers really saved me. I was a young kid, just like you, it was tough. You can make it, if not for these teachers. My mother never owned a car, never had a driver's license. My teachers took me away to school, picked me up. And some of the kids said, you know, you know um, I worked for what we call the NBA beat, so Every week, every month, we spend a day with Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Dr. J, produce a five-minute feature, air at halftime of games. But the kids didn't ask me how many cars did Michael Jordan have. You know, a few asked me how much money did Bird or, or, or Iverson or somebody. But, you know, some kids came to me and said, you know, if, if, if these teachers help you, how come you aren't a teacher? It was the first time in my life, man, that somebody asked me a question and no response, not my coaches, my professors. My mom, some young people, because I didn't. I basically told these children why I should have been a teacher, and I, I quit my TV job. I went in grad. I went to grad school, got a master's degree, and in two years went back to the same high school and started teaching. And the kids told me I was a fool to leave the TV job, but um, 
But really, for me, it was an opportunity to see how much children truly love the, the, the adults, the teachers, the principals who are there. They make you feel like you can walk on water. But I also realized in high school, the high school reform does not begin in high schools. I started teaching in the high school, spent the next 10 years of my life in the feeder middle school and, um, and, 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 and realized that, that you know, at young middle school kids, are they're, they're rare. Anybody who can survive in the middle school, they deserve a whole separate paycheck just for working with adolescent students. But um, was uh, started a chess program, became successful, um, got offered AP jobs at other schools, turned them down to stay at my school. And that's how the kids all developed this I choose to stay, you know, moment that movies like thanks for choosing to stay. You know, for us, we we choose to be here with the teachers who are here. I adopted that, wrote a book. As you mentioned, Disney bought the movie rights. It was it was my autobiography, but also the story of the students and their chess success. And um, that was in actually 2003 when that book was released. And um, and it's still selling on. You know, we're on a 20 year anniversary. Wow. Almost. But the idea is that the story is really teachers influence me, teachers and principals influence my life administrators. And so I want to do the same thing for other people. Now I have some of those students from those chess programs who are now teachers and principals, man. That's the greatest accomplishment, you know, for me. That's excellent. <clears throat> One of the questions I had for you is that you're currently working at a charter school. Is there a, um, a thrust or, a, a, you know, is it a project-based charter school? Is it, is it similar as any other school or what's the thrust for your charter? Well, no theme, no thrust. It's a, it's a, um, it's a public school where we're, um, we're funded and run by the Department of Education. It was, it's actually located in the elementary school in, 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 in Wilmington, Delaware, that was actually closed for years and there was no school to serve that community. So it was a school opened up right in, in you know, in that building. But um, it's a K-8 building, 700 students, 90 plus percent students at or below the poverty level. Um, and I guess our, our one belief is that every student in that building can get into Penn State and not the state Penn. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how we operate, you know, every day that the children, the, the adults have to have that belief. Now, these students may choose to go to any college they want, any career they want, military, whatever. But we have to believe that those students can do whatever they want to do as long as they have the support and guidance of adults in school. And, you know, we put a lot of pressure on schools. So I'm, going, I'm really trying to focus more on making sure that we also hold the community up for their accountability, the corporate world, um, but also make sure that our parents and, um, and others in, in the community do their part. You know, the school, with so much is on the plate of teachers mm -hmm. and principals right now, that we've got to, we've and, and and the plate gets smaller, and what they and they keep putting more on the small on the on the plate. So children will find their they will find, they will be able to achieve their dreams if the school, the home, and the community all work together to make sure that we give those children, you know, what they need. And, and so my in my fifth book that I co-authored is retention for for change. So it's really and we wrote this book not even knowing that millions of well, th thousands right now, um, probably like 100,000 or so, you know, at the uh, numbers, recent numbers I'm looking at, of folks who have just left the profession in th this year that, that wrote this book, not knowing that these people will be leaving. But we knew this has been an issue before the pandemic. Folks have been leaving our profession, teachers and administrators, often folks don't talk about 
the principals and superintendents who are leaving, but you talk to many of these school board members and superintendents, and they'll let you know that these folks have already put, they put their notice in. And it could be COVID, the stress of the job, you know, the uh, commands of, of, uh, of, you know, politics or whatever, but folks are leaving our profession and they're not coming, they're not entering the profession in the same numbers. Mm. So we've got to find a way to develop school cultures, um, and also motivate and inspire. I often tell my staff members, I know you're tired, but you might also be uninspired. So I've mm-hmm. got to find a way to inspire you and support you. And that may come in many different ways. we got to move beyond the baby showers and the birthday parties. And sometimes folks just need us to listen. And that's one of the, you know, and we may talk about this later, but one of the big mistakes I made early in my career as a principal was not listening enough mm. to, my, to my teachers and and staff members. It's a mistake being made now by uh, 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 our society as a whole. We're not listening to educators, and that's why we're, we're you know, we are, we're losing them. But yes, sir, I'm sorry to come across as a preacher, but as you guys know, you're in this work. It's a ministry, right? And these children will keep us on our toes and our knees mm. every day, and, and so we have to approach it as if it's a ministry. And that's what an administrator is. An administrator adds to the ministry. See, mm. people don't even realize, like, I'm breaking it down to his very last compound. An administrator adds to the ministry. So come with the positivity. Leave yeah. all the negative energy outside. It's kind of a double-edged uh, sword that I, I have to it. share. I love that. Uh, uh, I don't love it. <laughs> what I think was <laughs> you, uh, you're you experiencing some of the same things that we experience, and sometimes it feels isolating. Uh, right. This is my 25th year in our profession, and mm. I had three teachers leave, and it's not even semester this year, and all for different reasons, all, not because they're, in fact, they were great teachers, and they've left for different reasons, some to different positions in other districts because of the the uh, the magnitude of vacancies that we have around our state and maybe our country, but then to, to keep the good ones, man, we are doing double time to, to do that, so I guess I feel a little comfort knowing that you, Jeff, and probably others around our country, our states are uh, experiencing similar um, issues. Now let's collectively come up with some solutions. And maybe today we're already on that track. Mm. I think so, Adam. I mean, so, so much of what I'm, I was furiously trying to type uh, while you were talking. I see that. <laughs> and, and you're, you're so, you're, you're getting so fired up. I got a, such good nuggets there. You know, I, I love an administrator adds to the ministry, right? And, and you, you hit it on the head when you said these children will keep us on our toes and on our knees. And I think that's what what people are feeling right now, especially coming back into this 21, 22 school year, we knew things would be different, but we didn't know how into, right. into what magnitude, you know, I, I think, you know, that the message that you tell your teachers, um, you know, about not only that you're tired, but you may also be uninspired, but also I love what you talk about when you say that schools are but one piece, and we have so much on our plates. We need the community to do their part as well. How you get people moving and focused to do their part as well and helping them to understand what their part is, 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 is still a mystery to me. I don't, I don't know yet. Therein uh, lies the challenge. And I, I, you must right. be a good typist too, because you're getting some good notes over there. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that, that's the challenge. Is that's the challenge. How do when somebody writes that book or how we get that done, how we get the community and the, and the world, the, the, our society 
you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a larger way to understand and realize the part they play. I think that's going to really be the key. And of course, we got some other things we've got to do in house in terms of paying teachers more, paying sure. administrators more, uh, uh, making sure our working conditions are much better for, um, you know, for our educators. Um, um, mental health, very important social workers, you know, for our, for our children. But I think that we've got to find a way to make sure that our communities and our business world and our society sh are sharing the load. It's too much is on schools right now. And we're starting to see the result. Now we were, you know, we were hanging on by a thread. We were hanging on by a thread, but COVID was that one piece that came and just ripped that, just ripped it, pulled yeah. that, that, just pulled it right, right, right underneath everybody, man. Then it exposed, it just ripped the bandaid off. Yeah. We were doing too much. And you think about it, that Mar March, 2020, when, when, when everybody, they started giving checks to people and doing all this other stuff, they, we sent teachers home and said, start teaching with no additional checks. Yeah. We didn't pay for their Wi-Fi. We didn't pay for their electric bills. We said, go home and basically do what you were doing, what you were doing in school. And, and they did it. I saw resilience. You know, I saw character. You know, I, I saw, I saw, we had, a, we had a child on Zoom who had a grandmother die in the house while he was on Zoom with his students, uh. with his classmates in the next room. And he came on and apologized for why he had to leave the Zoom. Mm. You know, because he, my grandmother just died in the room next door. I'm sorry. I hate to leave. I want to be here. Which I mean, this is uh, what children are. And, and, and the teachers had to coach him. And then imagine coaching the children through that app. You know, those who had already lost a parent or even lost a pet. You know, oftentimes we don't talk about the grief that goes. And some of these young people are attached to these, you know, these pets and it's, it's, or, or parents that are incarcerated. Grief is important. It's, it's, it's major for our young people. So I, I, I saw a lot of valor and, 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 and resilience and hope with our staff members, you know, when, they, when, when we shifted to this, uh, you know, remote learning. And then as you say, coming back into 2021, 20, 22, we didn't know what we were going to right. encounter. So we've got um, to find a way to bring all of those components together so we can, we can, we can really support the school and give it the foundation that it needs to take care of our children. Yeah. So true. I know this isn't an episode about standardized tests and I'm not here to say that we should get rid of them, but maybe we should be also putting some emphasis on social emotional learning and the, the, the examples that you just provided about people dying in the next room while you're studying math or social studies or whatever, you know, like the, the things that we can't grade, we are still doing them. We are, we're doing a ton of those things across our profession, not just in, in Delaware, but in Wisconsin, in Illinois, and I, I'm sure every other state, every other school district is doing the same type of thing. My wife's a school social worker in our neighboring district. And man, if I could just write down everything that she's done for just two students, you would have three books, you know, she is just on fire doing her job. Right. And tell somebody to go on Google what the what the what the um, starting salary is right. for a social worker with a master's uh, yep. MSW. Yep. You know they don't we yep. don't you, the, and, and and look at the work and then and then look at the job description yep. and match it with the right. salary and the yep. and the education that's required. That that that's truly God's work. And you mentioned standardized testing. I'm gonna be honest with you and I'm and I'm I'm not being funny. I've never had one kid and I've had thousands of students 
go on to become successful. I, you know, graduate. I got one now. It's first round draft. One of my chess players from Thomas Edison playing for the Denver Nuggets was a, was uh, the leading rookie scorer in the NBA in preseason, was the number four scorer total league-wide in preseason. Young man, Bones Highland, playing for the Nuggets. Doing well. I mean, I've had kids all over. Got him, got him at UVA, University of Pennsylvania. I, I got him everywhere. I've never had one come to me and say, I am who I am because of standardized tech. Yes. And I've had them, and some have knocked out. I mean, they've had the highest score in the state on standardized tests. Have never come to me and said, I am who I am because of standardized tests. But you know what they have said to me, fellas? They've come to me and said, I am who I am because of the relationship I had with Miss So-and-So yes. or Mrs. So-and-So or, or because of somebody who took the time to, to find out who I was, what my life was like outside of school. I'm here today because of that person, because of what they did, because they were curious about my life. Never had one come to tell me about a test that made them better. You don't, a pig doesn't get fat by weighing it every day. You know that, you know, and I know you know about that in Wisconsin. It doesn't, it just doesn't, I mean, it might be a little chilly, a little more than it is in Philly, but I mean, the, I mean, at the bottom line is like you say, we need to focus more on the social, emotional aspect of what we're doing. We know that our children, we know what happens when we support them with their emotional well-being. Right. The learning, the learning comes. Right. And we as adults have to embrace that role as learners as well. But standardized. Now, of course, you guys know we haven't been in the business this long. Know that we need to know how our students are doing. So we're not saying we don't need to make sure that we assessment is a part of our instructional practice and, and strong curriculum. We All of that is important. But it should not be the foundation of what we do. And it, and it definitely shouldn't be uh, the primary marker of. A, a, a measure of what our children or our teachers. There's some school districts around this country that basically will label a school a failing school. They'll give it a grade of F yes. or D, or label a teacher F or D based on a, a student's standardized test score, never thinking about what happened to that child before they walked in to take that test that day. That's right. Not right. It, it, it's 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 horrible. It's horrible. And you 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 know you you have schools that are rated exemplary or exemplary or commendable based on that test score. And I've even heard district level administrators talk about how we are a testing culture. And mm. and I I think just what do you mean you're a testing culture? That's not culture. <laughs> you've actually that's, heard that's, you've heard somebody. And I've heard people say testing we, culture. We've had a teaching culture or learning, but people are actually admitting being in a testing culture. A testing culture. We need to create a strong no. testing culture. And I, I, I just, I, you can see, you can hear. I still don't have the words for that. <laughs> that's 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 demeaning to the job of what teachers and leaders do. That's yeah. not what we do. No, that's not a culture. That's a no. fear-based monger. <laughs> right. You know, there's some other misnomers. We, we've talked about some of them already today that, um, you know, it's it's poverty, it's inner city, it's urban. It, it doesn't impact rural communities like our community is a rural community. And what I'm seeing and, and maybe we're able to shed light on it because of the most recent experiences through quarantine and isolation, those types of things. But I'm seeing finally light being shed on some of my highest performing students and the anxieties that they all have when they go to a, you know, an eight period or a seven period day and they have six exams, those students are experiencing different anxieties all because of a testing culture or because of these, these false expectations that they have in order to be successful. I have to get this. 
And I, I wish they could all hear what we have to say. It's all about you and it's not about your math test. I, I mean, if they could get that clear, they, they'll be fine. But I'm seeing that the anxiety increase, not just in, in the situations where students don't have the tools, but across my spectrum of students for the, for, I think probably the first time in my career that it's becoming known. It's, it's out there, it's visible. And uh, my counseling office here at school is just burdened by their burdens. She's excellent. My counselor is one of the best. I'm sure you guys have good ones, but she's yeah. the best. So I'm sorry that you guys have to live in her shadow. <laughs> and, and, let's, and, let, and look, and let's give a shout out to those counselors yeah. out there. I mean, those school nurses who are contact tracing and quarantine phone calls and, and school secretaries, all of yeah. these folks who are essential, who the outside community may view yeah. as non-essential. Yep. Those of us in the trenches, we know those people are essential. But let's also make sure that we repeat that, that students in rural areas are struggling. Students in suburban areas are struggling. Students in the city are struggling. Students yeah. everywhere are struggling and they need educators who are supported. They need social workers. They need school nurses. They need counselors. They need mental health workers. They all, and, but they need a community who supports them and believes who their mind is open and understands that it doesn't matter where you are. We know that there's struggle there and we need to help you and support you through those struggles. And, and, and so I'm glad you brought that up, sir. Because there are people who tend to think that it, it only occurs in one area. Yeah. You know, in some of your most affluent areas, they're dealing with high suicide rates, high drug use. Everybody is struggling in some way, and they all are going to need that support. And that's one thing. It, it, I, I don't remember who said it, but I've adopted it. If we treat every situation with compassion, we never have to say we're sorry. You know, and I don't think that we always knew or we always know what's happened in Principal Zell's life. So, yeah, I'm going to judge him today. I'm going to judge Jeff today. We don't know what happens in everybody else's life. So let's take care of all of our business and let's support one another, because if we treat each situation with compassion, we never have to say we're sorry. Yep, I love that. That's that's quotable right there, Adam. Teachers need that. that. And that's what and that's what our staff as leaders. So you you principals and administrators, assistant principals, or even you aspiring leaders out there. Today, right now, next week, next month, there's some adults who need you to be compassionate mm. about how you deliver feedback, who need you to be compassionate just about how you greet them. They need you to, to show a little love, a little grace, because we're all going through. We're, we're, we're going through mm. this struggle, but we're growing through it as well. And that happens that happens in, 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 a, in, a, in a much more powerful way when we're leading with compassion and grace, because when you're leading with compassion and grace and love, you are empowering others. And when you empower others, they're then able to deliver that love and compassion and grace to their students, to their colleagues, to their families. So that, that compassion was important, sir. So, you know, I, I, I actually feel like I'm interviewing you because I'm <laughs> learning so much. It's, 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 it's important. Sure. And, we, yeah. and, and listen, and, and, and you know, one, one, one of my biggest beliefs is that the impact of an educator is, is definitely is not based on their capacity to teach, but rather their capacity to learn. Mm. That's going to be the key for us going through this next five, this next five years is really how much are we as leaders? You know, folks coming to the leadership lab need to understand mm. that we are a, we are developing a learning culture, not just a teaching culture 
and definitely not a testing definitely coach. Not right, a Jeff? Testing definitely, coach. definitely not a testing coach. But learning, we are learners and we learn from one another so we can make sure that we show more compassion, grace, and love and understanding for to our to our folks. That's so true. Maybe we can start a, a push. You know, I get I, I work with student teachers from time to time when they make it this far north, you know, they have to bring their snowshoes and everything with them. But rare. when it's they make rare. it here, you know, maybe they should go to two years of undergraduate work and then two years in my building under my supervision to earn the rest of their four-year degree. Because I don't want to minimize anybody's four-year education. You can't take that away no matter what happens. Right. But man, if, if we could have dedicated individuals, leaders, teachers, whoever, informal leadership, whatever it may be, they go to school for two years and then they come and work with us for two years paid, just like paid internships for sure. people that are in the business sector and in other degrees that, you know, their internships are paid. So they come here and we train them because we want to learn. We want to help them learn. And they're going to be ready to teach on day one, not, not in year wow. four, you know, wow. yeah, how, many, how many new teachers tell you, I learned more my, this year in school than I did my four years. I mean, and, and, and then they're, and they're learning and they're learning while they're doing that's yep. very yep. different. And, and this work that we're doing, with some of the some of the issues that teachers have to deal with today, you can't come into this job not having had that experience right. already. So that that sounds like an amazing idea because uh, it it needs to be almost like a like a practicum, yeah. more than a student yeah. teaching experience, but a practicum where you are immersed. And and they do it for school leaders. You know, in some cities, a school leader will leave their job for six months to a year and go spend it in the school and get paid. Let's do it for uh, let's let's do it for our teachers. Now, before they may not have thought it was important because we had an abundance of them. Talk to principals now and find out how easy it is to to, to find a teacher. Yeah. You so, know, uh, school social workers, we brought them up earlier. My wife, so it's near and dear to my heart. Her her master's was 64 credits. Mine was 31. She had mm -hmm. to get her essentially her master's in education and then her master's in social work for one degree. So she wow. starts on at the same salary as a first year teacher, you know, but she's got 64 credits in there. And I don't think anybody understands the rigor that any of us that, you know, go through, whether it's a school social worker, a teacher earning their master's, Jeff, anybody else earning their doctorate, all of those things are, are a burden for somebody to go through. And it takes a team to get there. You know, I'm sure that your wife, uh, Jeff, probably has earned her PhD as well. In supporting you, in supporting me, yeah. Yep. <laughs> How long it took? Double, to double, double doctor. Yep. yep. That's, yep. A, that's another thing that doesn't get talked about. You know, guys, this show needs to be called Diamonds in the Rough because we're we covering <laughs> diamonds. We're covering a lot of that's, them. But we don't talk about the people at home who support these educators, mm. the spouses, the children you rarely get to see, and you know, the, all the dreams you're helping other people's dreams come true. And there are folks who put their dreams to the side. They don't get the doctorate. They don't get the masters. They don't get the job because they want to hold it down for you so you can be in school six, seven, eight o'clock, Saturday, yep. Sunday, during the summer, on Christmas break. You know, it, it's it's amazing. And so let's shout them out, right? You got it. Let's shout out those folks out there, you know, um, who are supporting educators who are out there supporting others because we know, fellas, we would not be where we are today without nope. those folks who support us. No, nope. my mom should have her master's degree. There is absolutely no doubt. 
my mom's got me to where I am today. My mom and dad. Talk about the sacrifices, right? Yeah. Talk yep. about the sacrifices that they have made to, to support us to get to the point where we are to, to where we are at. It yep. took me, it took me eight years to get here. I put my dissertation down for six months at a time. And it was only because of my wife saying, you're not going to, you're not going to finish. You, if you don't pick it up, you know, get off your butt and pick that back up. I mean, we went through a job change. We adopted four kids all in that eight year period of time. And throughout that whole time, she kept saying to me, you're going to finish, you're going to finish. And, and because of her, I did. So she definitely earned her doctorate right along with me. <laughs> I'm glad you listened to her because I would be afraid of Michelle too. <laughs> I, I started, Jeff, I started writing my doc, my, my dissertation before 2010. Mm. Um, and here's the thing. I, I, my mother passed away in 2002. Mm. Uh, um, Adam talked about, you know, how his mom's been so important. My mother passed 2002. She was a paraprofessional and I schooled her. So I went, when I wanted to become a teacher, I called, I called mom. I said, mom, I want to do this. Tell me I'm doing the right thing. She said, you are. She said, just remember that every teacher is not a parent, but every parent is a teacher. Mm. Make oh, sure you support parents to understand their role. But before my mother passed and I, I'm the only, my mother's eight children. I'm the only one with a college degree. Mm. I had a master's degree. I said, mom, I know you got to be happy about that. She said, no, I need you to get a doctorate. Wow. I said, damn, mom, I already got that. I went and got another master. I became a principal. Is that good enough? <laughs> no, you need a doctorate. And this is a woman that never been to college in her life. She said, but I want more for you because wow. if I want more for you, our, our community will have more. And mm. so I made a commitment to my mom and Jeff. Um, I, enrolled, I enrolled in my doctoral program in early 2000s. Started my dissertation before 20, 2010, off and on, off and on, change programs. And then I met TJ and Joe, who are superintendents here in Delaware, my co-authors on my um, passionate leadership book and building a winning team and retention for a change. And they, those guys both had their doctorates and said, and this tells you a lot about people, right? Two white guys in Delaware already have their doctorates, already the superintendent level, said to me as a principal, L, you need to finish that paper, man. How can mm -hmm. we help you finish? How can we support you finish? I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And I'm like, man, it's been so long. And they said, L, you got to do it, man. So many other people want to do it. You know, I said, all right, let's, let's do it. Let's help. They helped me my research now, my research in 2019, man, I defended. 2019, wow. I defended. And listen, about 40 staff members came to my defense, right? Oh, cool. <laughs> The president of the university said, we've never had so many people come to. I said, yeah, I think they came to make sure I wasn't lying about finishing. <laughs> so long. I've been saying for so many years how I was going to get done. I think they wanted to know, is this true? Is this really true? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you're right, man. It, it's, you know, if not for these people out there and our families supporting us, pushing us, hugging us when we cry, when we want to give up, it, it's um, we, we, we wouldn't be here. And so, how, how will we be able to influence others without their influence? So let's let's definitely, man, give a shout out to those mm -hmm. folks out there that, that are supporting people who are serving others. I got one more shout out for you guys. Uh, Jeff, did you ever coach anything outside of school, like a uh, sport? Uh, T-ball. T-ball, well, that's a, that's, that's yeah. a worthy cause. That's how about you, Principal? Coaching. Yeah, I, I noticed you called that a worthy cause and not a sport, but it's it's all good. <laughs> some, look, some of those T-ball oh, yeah. players, from, they are MLB players, boy. That's but hard coaching, so, though. Right, but so so of course you know I, I I've been coaching chess for years. My chess team in Philly won um um uh uh, uh multiple multiple championships. Mm -hmm. My Thomas Edison in Delaware, um, my K eight school 
has won two national titles uh, in, in three years, one in the same year that Villanova won. So, but I was a basketball coach before I started coaching okay. chess. So I, um, I really understood as a, as a basketball player, didn't really, and I played basketball and baseball as a kid, didn't understand how hard coaching was until I started coaching. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this, man. So think about that though, because that's what everybody th- assumes that coaches do this for the money. They make a lot of money. I didn't make my first million. Actually, I haven't made my million, but uh, coaching football in middle school, yeah. I, it doesn't long hours, you know, by the end of the season, a coach makes about a dollar an hour, you know, yeah. and, and think about the investment that they make with those students. They yeah, are. I was going to ask you, when did you make your first thousand? You're talking about first, <laughs> first thousand. <laughs> It's totally true. Middle school, <laughs> man. I, I, our schools would be absolutely devastated without coaches. Without the coaches. Without yeah. our coaches. Absolutely, yeah. no doubt, man. No doubt. And think about how, and, and think about how coaches have to. They, they definitely have to teach growth mindset. You know, to the players because you have, as a coach, you have players at uh, such a wide range of levels and skills and abilities. You've got to coach that one kid who's struggling. The same way you coach the high performing kid, because you don't want the high performing kid to become complacent and you want that struggling kid to actually improve every day. So as a coach, I mean, as, as a coach, you got to be flexible. Yep. You know, you got to be dependable. You got to give that tough love the way I see Adam giving you that tough love, Jeff. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Come that's on. right. Come on. <laughs> you gotta, so, yeah, shout out to those coaches out there. And also, how about this? Those instructional coaches. In mm. schools, coaching teachers and supporting us as leaders, because I often say the principal's most important job is to help teachers improve their practice. Yeah, that's the most important. Now, we know culture is important and all those other things that, you know, school safety, all those are important. But if we're not helping our teachers get better and that and there's again, that's not just teaching to a standardized test. That's helping them build relationships in the classroom. That's right. That's helping them build a classroom with students feel confident, where students feel centered, where students feel like they can own their own learning. And those coaches, those instructional coaches in our school and our school districts, they support us in getting that done. Because oftentimes I got to lean on my coaches to uh, to really find strategies and solutions to supporting our teachers. So, yeah. so shout out to those athletic coaches out there. But shout out to those instructional, instructional coaches. coaches yeah. Thank you. you think about I, it. I, I like the shout outs. Yeah, it's been fun. Good. They all they all deserve it and they don't get enough of it. They don't get enough praise. You well, know, it reminds me uh, when you talk about coaching and you talk about chess and we talk and you mentioned SEL a, a little while ago. We talked about that a little bit. How important uh, things like chess and other activities and clubs and all the athletics are to the SEL and mindsets of our kids. And when those get taken away because of COVID, I you see a definite drop in 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 everything with our kids. I mean, my kids, you know, they don't want to come to school. Some of the only think reasons why they're coming to school, some of them are for those opportunities. And when we, that's what's so hard when those get taken away uh, for whatever reason, obviously the COVID being the most recent example that we have of why things get taken away. Um, But in the past, it's been funding. And these are the things that kids need the most sometimes, right? Just Those after-school programs are very important. So critical. You folks out there controlling funding, that can't be the first thing you think because there's some students, if they don't get it from eight to three, mm-hmm. that after-school program becomes very important. Some of their connections, yep. some of their greatest connections are made after school. So if you're out there making those cuts, 
sit on your butts because you shouldn't be cut these after school programs. Okay. Love it. Love There's it. another one. Another yeah. gem. Yeah. Another gem. Sit on your butts. I love it. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, I know that you've been doing this for, uh, you know, even this is actually kind of a special day for us, Jeff. We often don't have, we're, we're usually the old guys on here. Now we've got somebody that's got just a little bit more experience than me and Jeff. Yes, is. sir. More you experience. Know? Yeah. I'm so true. Yeah. I didn't say old. I said more experience. Oh, I know you 30, 35 years. That's amazing. I feel like I feel like I can do it for another another 20, man. Even with COVID. This now it's hard. Trust me, it's hard. But I think about those people who show up every day. I mean, folks show up, you know, and, and I think about them and like, how, you know, how how can I? You know, my, my board tried to fire me a few years ago because I was fighting for higher salaries for my teachers, and they didn't feel like I was aligned with them because I was fighting for teachers. But no, that's what I do. And these teachers. These teachers threatened to walk out, quit, go do something else because I was fighting for them and the board and the board wanted to fire me. The board, five board members ended up resigning over this whole thing. Teachers ended up getting a raise. Um, so I say to myself, how can I, even in the toughest times, how can I leave when these people put their jobs on the line, you know, mm. for me and yep. showing up for these children, you know, every, every day. So listen, man, I, I'm, you guys are in the trenches. I'm in the trenches. I'm I'm in the fight with you. I'm 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 glad to to be a soldier with you um and, and doing this good work and 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 especially getting the message out about leadership because leadership is truly about service. And um and, and and almost everything I see from you guys, you know, on social media, on your website and, and everything you're doing, your podcast, is really about making sure that people understand that this work is about doing for others. If that's below you, if that's beneath you. You'll never really truly be a leader. Right. You don't understand that this work is about helping other people. I better ask this question before he sh- takes all of his his wisdom out of it, right, Jeff? <laughs> so, thirty five years on the job, and you've already shared some hurdles. I, I'm, that that uh, advocacy that you just shared with us about um, teachers and salaries in front of the board and how they, you know, were chasing your tail a little bit. That's a pretty, I think we can all understand that whether we've had to actually do that or feel that pressure from the board when you're going one direction and they want you to go a different direction. I get that. So do you have another one, another leadership challenge or leadership opportunity that you could share with us in those 35 years? Well, I'll tell you early, early on in my career, my first, my first job as principal, I took over a K-5 school and, um, and I started a chess program and I, and we had students who were age students, top students. They were going on, going to the middle school and they were struggling. They got the middle school. They wanted to be the cool kid. Didn't want to care about. And, and, you know, parents are like, I wish they could just stay in, in the same school, you know, for middle school. I talked to my assistant superintendent. He was all for it. So I was going to add one grade per year until we were a K-8 building. I never talked to my teachers about it. Mm. Once I put the plan in motion, I started talking to them and realized that they had they struggled with the fact that they were going to be working with teenagers. What I should have done was I should have met with them. I should have gotten them some training on working with adolescents too. I mean, they were, they were good teachers, great teachers. So I assumed that whatever I wanted to do, they, they would do it. No, because I actually learned, I got some great insight from them as we developed our middle school program and, um, and it became a successful transition. But if I had not talked to them, if I had gone the way I was going solo, um, it, it, it would have been a, a major, a major struggle, you know, for us. So um, I had to 
So then I had to go back. I had to get that buy-in from them. I had to gain that trust. You know, trust takes a lifetime to develop, mm -hmm. a second to lose, and yeah, the yep. rest of your life to try to regain. So um, luckily for me, they, they, I was a young principal. They real, I, most of my staff was older. They realized they forgave me, supported me. But that was a mistake. And that's something that I, I preach to all to leaders now, aspiring leaders. Listen to your people. Listen, even if you don't always agree, even if they don't agree, even if you don't implement everything they tell you, listen, because it makes you a better leader, a better person, it even made me a better father out here in, in, you know, in, in the world, um, a, a better teacher, simply because I'm listening to teachers and the folks that I serve on, on a daily basis. So mm. true. Yep, no so, doubt about that. Such a good example. I mean, we've got so many examples, especially early on in our in our time as leaders, where we you know may have for, forgotten um, to include teachers in on the conversation. I talk about that in, in my book as well, becoming principal um, about the early mistakes that I made, and even even some more recent mistakes I've made too. I mean, but you live and learn. But I think right. you're you're so right. It, listening is the key. Because that makes that makes you better. You can't list. You can't lead if you don't plan to listen first, right? And, you have to. At one and point, you, know you have to go ahead. You know what's important too, guys? Sorry, is that I didn't make excuses. I went back in front of my staff. Yeah, I apologized yeah. and I said, "Listen, I should have come to you first. Let's mm -hmm. do it the right way." And I think that helped as well. I left that part out when I was talking to you earlier about it. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that I was willing to own it, I embraced it. They said, now I didn't blame them, right? Because so many leaders want to blame everybody else. I didn't blame the central office. I nope. took it. Right? Take it. I should have done it. Boom. Uh, um, go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's it's the next steps that make it even more important. So yeah. we can make mistakes. We're all going to stub our toe from time to time. It's going to happen. But then the humbleness and the ability to to um, say it with earnestness, to say, I'm sorry, and then let's let's get this plan back on the road because we know it's good for kids. Let's do that. Yeah. So I think the, the three of us, we were all in agreement there. And I think yeah. that's the, the key because I've got a situation like that currently where um, a few years ago, it didn't go great for me. And uh, I, I can't seem to win this person back no matter what I do. And, uh, yeah, and I keep trying. And so you're like you, that, that lifetime of trust and one second to lose it. Oh, my gosh. Right. If I could change so that sure. one thing, I would do it all over again. So leaders listening out there, if you, if you are young or old, veteran or, or, or new, um, that's the key right there is to own it. Don't make any excuses. Don't blame others. Just apologize and start over. You know, And don't go, take go it home. Yeah, and don't take it home. Yep. Take it out. Do your thing. Do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't accept your apology, that's not on you anymore. You know, when you're being sincere, that's not on you. Yeah. So Can I true. ask a favor, fellas? You betcha. Yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to two more people who have been very, who have been Let's very go. instrumental. Probably three more, but definitely I want to thank our facility staff and janitors in our building mm. who've been cleaning, sanitizing, and, oh, yeah. and hypnotizing and doing everything that they need <laughs> to do to, just to keep everybody safe. I want to give a shout out to all those folks working on keeping buildings clean and safe. I also want to, I want to give a shout out to our bus drivers out there. Because these bus drivers are not in the bubble. They're driving these buses and they don't get to test kids before they get on the bus. You know, they don't they don't get to see who's vaccinated and who's, you know, they're driving these kids around right. the school. They, they are fearless and they're showing up every day. So I want to shout out these uh, uh, bus drivers as well. And then finally, and you may think of some others, but I, 
finally, I, I want to thank all the technology people out there mm. who have really, really, um, really just, 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 I mean, they're working harder. I mean, my tech guy is working. He's working more than me or any administrator. You know, I, I feel bad. I mean, he's, he's just, he's just making sure that everybody has students and staff have the tools they need mm. to be, to be successful in school or remote, you know, you know, while, while on remote. So I want to give a shout out to those technology folks. My, my tech guy's name is, is Jeff, um, Jeff and my janitor, my facilities guys is Jesse. Um, amazing, you know, amazing, uh, leaders, Man. part of the team, you know, everybody's yep. part of the yep. team, part of the team. But uh, I just want to give a shout out to all, all over the country, all over the world, all over the world. I want to thank you. They keep they keep the schools running. And I, I will add one. I will add one other group in there. And that is our front office staff, because they oh, take, yeah. take yes, the sir. front of a lot of I mean, I had my front office secretary in tears a couple of times over the last few weeks because people are just on edge and they come in hot and they are always the first ones to take it. And they are in tears and then they go back and they do it all over again. So I, I, I want to thank them too. So this you know is the I, shout out episode guys. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. You know what I say, Jeff is the, deserve it. The, the folks you see on these airplanes and what these flight attendants are dealing with folks, this is what we're dealing with in the front office. People are coming in with the same kind of rage and the, the same kind. They've been so isolated and the trauma from the experiences the same thing folks are seeing there is what we're seeing in school. So, yes, shout out to those, uh, to those office workers Man. for sure. Well, listen, uh, it's, it's, our time is almost up, and I feel like we could talk forever, and I feel like forever. We've, we've, I feel like we've known each other forever. <laughs> but I just want to add one more thing before we wrap up, one more question to you, and it is very simply, Principal L, what are you hopeful for? I'm hopeful. 22, 22 is right around the corner. 2022 is is upon us and I'm, I'm hoping that we can find a way to, um, to safely move through the second half of our school year, but also hopeful that folks who are thinking about going into this profession, that they don't change their mind. I know they're seeing the, the, the conditions, they're seeing the attitudes. We learned a lot over the past two years about what the nation feels about its educators. We've learned a lot. One way or the other, we've learned a lot. But I'm hopeful that people will understand that this is one of the most noble professions out there. Mm, it's the greatest. Other than the soldier and other than the soldier out there yeah. fighting for this country, there's no more important. And I'm getting emotional saying this, man. Yep. No yeah. more important job than the person who walks into a school and says to a kid, you can be me because I was once you. Mm. you you can be me you can be especially for males you know because we need more male teachers but these women have been carrying us for over 200 years and they need our support they need men to step up so i'm hopeful that their teachers out there especially some of these young men but to young ladies too that you join our profession you join our army you jo and you join our movement to choose to stay take this job take this role and understand that that these children come in every day. They're teachers who come to work every day for decades because you made the choice to be there with them and for them. And so I'm hopeful that in the year to come and the years after that we will continue to flourish in this profession and that other people will join us so we can continue um, to make the dreams of, uh, of children you know, come true. And what I offer to people is that this work is tough. 
So I say to my staff, let's stop praying for a lighter load and start praying for a stronger back because mm -hmm. we know the load's not going to get any lighter. We've got to get stronger um, because they're giving us so much and our children need us. But now we have to add on to that. Let's support those folks who need those stronger backs. So let's be their spotters. Let's get in the gym. Let's spot them in the gym. Let's get them the water. Let's put them in the corner like, 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 the, like the cut man. Let's wipe off the blood, patch them up, <laughs> get them back out there for three, for three more minutes. But let's support these folks who are out here doing, doing the work. So I'm hopeful that we can elevate our profession so folks can really truly see this work and what we do, pay our teachers more, and also have these aspiring educators realize there's nothing out there like saying goodbye to a kid at the end of the year and having that kid say to you, are you coming back next year? Oh. They look forward, they wanna know because all summer they're waiting to be in your in your presence. So God bless you guys. I appreciate you, man. I needed this today. Good. More good. than I ever, ever thought, man. The shout outs were major. I mean, major. it's always good to be able to fill the cups of others, especially for people who never get recognized. So you are, you know, there are thousands of people going to hear this podcast. If yes. we mention you, if we mention you today, the world is going to know who you are. <laughs> good. That's great. Yep. They deserve to be known. They deserve to be known. Well, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we thank you for choosing to stay. Um, and thank you for the work that you do and continue to do 30 plus years. Incredible. And you, I know you, like you said earlier, you've got another 30 in you. So keep going strong. You reach out whenever you need something. If people want to reach out to you, uh, Principal L, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I know you're on uh, social media. Yeah, I'm on social media. My website is principalL.com is a website on um, Twitter at principal underscore EL. Finally on Instagram, you know, at Dr. Principal L. And um, so reach out to me. I'm feeling fab on the leadership lab. So hey, let's do a big in 2022, fellas. That's awesome. You know, you know, you just gave us the title for this episode. Yep. Feeling fab on the principal lab. I love it. That's the love title. Right, brother. Right That's the title. Oh man, Pops All right. man. I appreciate you guys. So, um, listen, take care of your families, fellas. And uh, I'm I'm just so well, glad man. to be in this work with you and um and 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 just stay 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 connected. And uh, keep keep doing it because you don't realize the impact you are having on, on others. And 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 this podcast, there's some there's some leaders who are going to listen to you, who have and who will, and they're going to make that choice to stay because of what you're bringing to them, changing lives. Yep, because of this episode, we appreciate that. Thank you for the shout out. Thank you for all the shout outs today. I feel so blessed and so good today. You know, we're going to get back to our daily lives with a, just a, a little elevation in our steps. So be a blesser, be a blesser not a stress. That's for your kids. That's for your kids. Because I heard you say you adopted four kids. I said, that man, that's, that man better than me. Four kids. I got two and I'm trying to trade them in for a used BMW. But listen, I, um, but listen, keep, keep, keep loving them, fellas. And compassion is what I'm taking away from this man. Let's lead with compassion. It's yes, important. Sir. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you guys. Adam, I'll see you next time on the Principal Leadership Lab. Feeling fast.